1: Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. I am your host, Leanne Meyer. As the listener numbers continue to rise, and I hear from more of you on LinkedIn and my email address, I am uh, realizing that there is a thirst for this type of program, and I'm hoping that you will continue to let other people know about it and that we can uh, get more ideas from all of you on what you think would be good topics. I am very excited about today's show, and I'll start with a question. What do you do after retiring from a phenomenally successful and contributive career? Well, of course, you start another one. My guest today is Patricia Westergren. Um, She is a BSN RN, and she's experienced, is an experienced program manager with over 30 years of diverse experience in medical, business, and legal disciplines. She retired about a year ago from that uh, format and then expanded her interest in and activity in spiritual and medical mission work. So, Patricia, what would you like us to know
2: about you and how you got to this point? Well, good day to all of you. I'm very happy to be here with you, Leanne. Um, it's a very um, productive and satisfying career, and when I decided to retire actually about two years ago, I had always had a heart for mission work and decided to turn both the nursing and the program management skills into um, just providing medical, spiritual um just service to those who are in greater need. And I focused mostly on Africa for various reasons. It just turned out that those were the opportunities that came up. The African countries that I've served have been in Zambia and Tanzania, Kenya, and South Africa. And one of the things that I found is that with there are so many mission organizations out there, where do you stop shotgunning and start to focus where you can be a real key player instead of just doing things on the surface. And I started to look at key factors that were essential for credible and successful long-term mission organizations. And I found um, a couple of them that I'll talk about in a few minutes because they hit every single one of the criteria. But I want to start with the fact that you have to have committed and dedicated founders and leaders in the organization with the true heart for the less fortunate and then even between them and the volunteers you have to have commitment long-term commitment versus what I call swoopers that's my term it's not a technical term but without long-term follow-up for those that you serve both your co-workers in country and the patients that you serve um, there's actually a real opportunity to do more harm than good I'll give an example of a young lady who at the age of 12, we believe she had a seizure. Her name was Gloria. She's in Tanzania. She was served or is continuing to be served by Hope Ministries. But she fell into a boiling pot of water while being taken care of by her grandmother and suffered severe burns. It's not just the physical problems with those burns but it's the functional of being able to breathe and eat and talk. And um, Hope Ministries run by Gail Strohsheim had to do a lot of homework up front to find a uh, doctor who can go in and do the plastic surgery and this young lady is on her third surgery over the last year, year and a half already. Um we have met this young lady she's shy she's turning into a teenager her physical you know features are going to be very important to her for her just her self-confidence, et cetera. And even as an example of swooping, if you come in and you just do the surgery and then you let it go, well, she needs multiple surgeries over time. She's going to need to grow and they're going to have to take her own skin grafts. So Gail Stroheim, the founder of Hope Ministries, is a person who has continued to do the follow-up, arranging for the follow-up surgeries, as well as the fact that... Um, You know, the emotional and um, just physical um, ability for this young lady to be in an environment where she can flourish. And And for somebody
1: who knows her background when they come back again, otherwise uh, you're repeating it all over again, and then somebody has a different idea of where to go from where they started. Is that kind of how it works?
2: Absolutely. And just even the environment for her to heal after the surgeries, et cetera, it takes a lot of planning. We actually met another young lady um, who was a hermaphrodite. Uh, where the child was born and is sterile, but exhibits both sex features of the penis and the vagina and the breast, et cetera. Well, this child has also been put in touch and has made the decision to go and become a female, completely female. But just because you do the surgeries were not done in the local area. There were no, you know, female hormone, For her to continue to take for the rest of her life and Gail had to continue and research and find and fund now probably over a lifetime uh, the female hormones that this child will need to be taking so you can't swoop in and just be done. So the other thing is that the organizations that I have chosen to focus on have to have strong, established, and trusted relationships with in-country personnel. The uh, amount of work that is done home and on the trips that go over there are not nearly as successful unless you have people that can continue and um, support and do the homework over there as well as over here. And both these organizations have very strong um, you know in country support I want to talk about about fundraising and donations and awareness in the United States you the funding does not come from within Africa it needs to come from either America or typically European countries and In order for these to be successful, this is a yearly ongoing fundraising effort. Um, It's not for the volunteers who go over because typically they have to pay their own way, but it is important for the the medical supplies and the surgical equipment and um, the medications, et cetera, all have to be purchased. Um, In another organization that I highly uh, regard and have respect for is Light of Hope, which this is an organization that is in Kenya, and it's a children's home and school, and I'm going to go into that a little bit more in, in a few minutes. Once the fundraising is done, which takes a fair amount of effort here in the United States, there needs to be tight control over the finances, The control needs to be tightly controlled both in the United States. It needs to be efficient and practical as well as how it is spent in the country and who the money is trusted with, et cetera. So both of these organizations have uh, very trusted personnel who manage the money once it is sent over there, and there's a high degree of accountability for each and every dollar that goes over there. The last one I want to talk about is education is the most key in uh, mission work because it's that whole you know give a fish versus teach how to to be a fisherman but both of these organizations um, as well as some others that i'm going to talk about have a very strong component of education there is a uh, statement that has been made that successful mission work occurs when you go to an area of great need but you are not wanted And then by the time you leave, you are no longer needed, but you are highly wanted. That's the crux of true mission work that's going to be successful over the lifetime. Um, Humility is also a very strong factor in education. Humility to me is strength under control. And both of the founders and leaders and the people who support these organizations um, have these traits. So, I'm going to identify now some of the mission organizations that I've been involved with over the past few years. One is Light of Hope, which is in Kenya. Founders Boniface and Sandy Karanja have been uh, teaming up together and supporting this for over, I think, about 17 or 18 years. Uh, Boniface, who we call Boney, is here in the Twin Cities, and he came from Kenya as a young man for education and work. And when he arrived and was successful, he just couldn't get it out of his system that there were the less fortunate back in his hometown. So he met Sandy through church, and they shared that dream and mission of wanting to give back to his area of Naivasha, Kenya. And so the two of them married and then started an organization that with maybe, I don't know, supporting three, four, five young ladies and they laugh right now at some of the sheds that are there because it was the main structure and they were teaching under flashlights when this mission first started and right now you should see the campus over there i just when i walked in there i could hardly believe it i I highly encourage you to go to the website for light of hope Kenya, it is www.lightofhopekenya.org to see some of the pictures and the girls that are here. As a matter of fact, one of the young ladies from Kenya is here being an ambassador in the United States until she goes back at the end of December. And that is Jane. Jane was a young lady who was found on the side of the road as a five-year-old holding the hand of her three-year-old sister, Mary Sarah, and uh, also holding the hand of her i think he was less than a year old brother they were abandoned Um, i don't know if they're orphans or the fact that the mother had just disappeared and many times the father is not in the picture so the local authorities were called and these young People were uh, sent to Light of Hope, and the two girls have been residents there. It's their home, and the brother was found a place as well, but not at Light of Hope. Now, Jane is here. She's been there for 10 years in the orphanage, and uh, she is now 15, and she's a spokesperson here in uh, the United States. So this young lady with 10 years of education is a well-spoken, well nourished and uh, highly personable ambassador i'm going to pass this back to leanne for the commercial and we'll continue okay um very interesting and i especially like the
1: stories i think that makes it much more accessible for many of us Um, when you talk about statistics of large numbers of people it's really hard to get your hands and your mind around it but when you start talking about individuals you really can have a feel for that. So uh, we are going to take a break here. If you're just turning in, we're talking uh, with uh, Patricia Westergren about nurses on a mission. Uh, thank you for listening. When we return, we will be discussing more about uh, uh, both spiritual and especially medical mission work. And um, I would be happy to have you uh, call in with any questions, questions. Experiences you've had or insights to mission nursing. And we will be back in just a few minutes.
3: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: surprise you.
3: Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
4: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to America at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. <coughs>
1: Leanne Meyer and this is once a nurse I am uh, here with my guest Patricia Westergren and we are delving into the topic of nurses on a mission and she has so much to share with you I don't want to take any more time and
2: just go right to to Patricia well, I was talking about Light of Hope Kenya with founders Boniface and Sandy Karanja. And I'm just going to um, summarize then before I go on to the next um, mission organization. But their mission is to provide refuge, restoration, and redirection for the lost and homeless girls of Kenya in a loving Christian environment. And whereas... 17 years ago or so, they started off with just a few children. Over the last uh, years now, they've probably served at least 200. And when I say serve 200, I'm talking about the fact that they have brought them in, given them the security of a home. They have very nice accommodations, uh, physical home. They have a good nutrition. They have medical, um, you know, care. They have a staff of. Teachers that come and teach them their curricula, they're learning English, so that when they finally launch their own careers, they'll know more than Swahili, which is a huge benefit. And um, they are also helped with going on to high school, the funding that it takes to do that. They are also taught spiritual teaching, and most of all, they're given a home. In Africa, less than 8% of girls stay in school for various reasons, and I'm very proud of the fact that at light of hope in the last year, their first set of young ladies have gone off to college, which is a phenomenal statement for those in uh, Africa. Uh, While we were over there, uh, my husband and I started off financially supporting them many years ago and by going to the gala, et cetera, and it's in the last couple of years then that we became more involved with the fundraising efforts and we eventually traveled to Naivasha in Kenya for on-site support of the children's home and school. They don't refer to it as an orphanage because they do not adopt out their children. Uh, First and foremost, it's very hard to find African families that can afford to adopt um, additional children. They're very busy taking care of their own um, family children who maybe have lost a parent to AIDS or other illness or have abandoned or just cannot afford to take care of the children, et cetera. So, I just the, the what we did while we were over there is uh, from the nursing aspect of reviewing medical records, um, from a Christian standpoint of scriptural teaching, providing medical teaching to the staff and the teachers and the girls. We did computer training and even set up inventory control for the campus there. I cannot say enough about this incredible organization. It is full of highly successful and best of all, happy, Normal children. The other one now, this is Light of Hope focused more on a children's home and teaching education for them. I'm going to move on to Hope Ministries with founder Gail Strohsheim and her mission work is in Tanzania. This is a nonprofit Christian family organization that cares for orphans and provides medical care and supplies, provides educational and spiritual support, and brings faith, hope, and love to the people in Tanzania, Africa. I also welcome you to go to her website, which is www.hopeministries.co. Uh, Gail was a young woman who developed breast cancer, and she made a promise to God that if she would be healed, she would quit her work and devote the rest of her life to mission work in Tanzania. Well, she was healed, and this vivacious, intelligent, hard-working, highly organized, caring founder has worked in just about every aspect of the nursing field, especially instructor and teaching, and she is one of those nurses who has probably trained many a doctor because of her knowledge. Um, Gail founded Hope Ministries in 2004, and she's ready to Go on her 21st trip to Tanzania this coming January. Typically, she does two trips a year, one in January and May, and she's focused on medical care and education. Each mission trip depends on the volunteer physicians that she's taking with her. Last January when my husband and my daughter went with her, they were focused on orthopedic surgeries. Uh, We actually also did one of the first, or the first um, spinal uh, fusion at Arusha Medical Center. So there was a lot of teaching for the doctors on site to do such a surgery. This coming trip in January, she'll be doing ENT and anesthesiology, so the focus always changes in regard to the actual medical care. Um, Hope Ministry serves the Kilimanjaro and Moshi area in Tanzania, where there are medical clinics at... um, Children's Home, Light in Africa, Children's Home, run by Lynn Gisling. She's from England. Um, that's where many of uh, the children are looked over by Gail's group, and uh, clinics are also run for the community from there. We also spent time out in the bush with the Maasai tribe. They're a very tall, colorful Um Herdsmen's of the area and uh, you do anything from scrubbing lice out of children's hair to looking at the tumors that are developing to educating also in nursing and menstruation and um, just birth issues in that area. Uh, from there we went on to Arusha Lutheran Medical Center known as ALMC where her team performs the first spinal fusion, success. Well, the first spinal fusion surgery I just mentioned, as well as numerous orthopedic related surgeries. One of the things in Tanzania that's a problem is they have an awful lot of fluoride in the groundwater. And um, as people are drinking this constantly, it makes bones very soft. And so orthopedic issues of correcting those bow legs, severely bowed legs, was a major focus of our team while we were there. Um, from Arusha, our team flew to Mwanza and the shores of Lake Victoria, where both orthopedic surgeries and clinics were conducted at the Bugandu Medical Center um, and clinics. And there's also uh, Fulan- Fulanisco, which is an orphanage there in that area. So Hope Ministries is highly responsible for much of the orthopedic equipment and tools in both the ALMC in Bugando hospitals. And the cornerstone of this organization is not just medical care, but also a very high level of education and training to Tanzanian physicians. There's a very strong relationship and um, just respect between the organization she serves over there and Hope Ministries. I've also gone on mission trips through Christ Church in Apple Valley, where I um, uh, attend. And they are focused on Zambia in Africa, as well as uh, South America. And uh, we have done anything from pediatric surgeries and general clinics. One of the things about the general clinics is I went there one time and the churches set it up and you have a lot of people and you're triaging. And I was giving a stethoscope and a blood pressure medication cuff, and, you know, one was automatic, and it, it just was so high. I was getting readings of 275 over 175, and I'm thinking, this person either needs to be in, uh, you know, emergency room, or this... Um, Or there's something wrong with the cuff, so I asked to have a manual cuff so that I could maybe control it a little bit more. But I found that the same readings were coming through, and it wasn't just one woman. It was the next one and the next one and the next one. And what I came to realize is that because dehydration is such an important Aspect they don't have clean water and they can't always afford to be carrying around their water bottles that we do here in the United States and that goes into kidney function and kidney regulates blood pressure and it was just a learning Aspect for me to understand how important water dehydration, blood pressure, and how it affects also diabetes, etc. So um, just the training that has to go in and the education to please try and get as much you know water as they can to try and reduce those blood pressures. Um, The last one that I'm going to talk about is the CATCH project in South Africa and this organization is dedicated to the building of economical and efficient homes and or clinics for the poorest of communities in South Africa. Dr. Brian Wasserman is department chair of construction management program at Minnesota State University at Mankato. He's actively involved in leading the mission work focused on both government policy and practical application for housing in South Africa. He works with universities within South Africa regarding human settlements. Human settlement is a term used by South Africans denoting the building of a community and not just a house. Mankato's mission is twofold to educate young university students in public policy and practical applications of housing, such as spatial planning and land use management. And the second one is the future building of 24 homes for foster children in the city of Gonubi on the Eastern coast near East London, South Africa. The location is going to be at the CATCH project. CATCH, C-A-T-C-H, stands for Caring and Teaching for Children. They're planning on targeting 24 homes there. And... That hopefully in the next couple of years as things come together in a uh, cohesive arrangement between the South Africans and Mankato State, uh, that can be achieved. And uh, CATCH is currently operating as a school program, providing a safe place for local children to play and receive teaching about their safety and rights, as well as receive a meal and just have fun playing as children. Uh, You can reach Brian Wasserman if you have any interest in that type of mission work at brian.wasserman at mnsu.edu. Wasserman is W-A-S-S-E-R-M-A-N. Some of the other things just are out there is like Compassion International, where you provide probably five hundred to a thousand per year to help a child in need all over the country. So there are multiple, multiple areas where you are able to serve. Oh,
1: um, that is fantastic! Uh, I'm glad to hear about all of those um, opportunities and things going on for, for. Um, uh, I guess I'm, uh, you answered quite a few questions that I have had, even just when I think about the African uh, countryside, <clears throat> and you think about all of the, uh, the dryness, I think of it as being quite desert-like, and every time I grab a bottle and go out of the house, a bottle of water and go out of the house, I think about what do people do that are in high heat, um, very dry, and not a lot of potable water, wherever it is that they're going. Um, So I was really glad that you talked about that.
2: Some of the other things let's talk about for mission work is who is called to mission service? What types of people can serve in that? And then also... um, the types of things you need to prepare for, your vaccinations, your visas, your passports, etc. And then I'm going to move into some of the common types of medical afflictions that we found on these medical trips and how they've been served and supported. Sounds great. So who is called to mission work? I'm going to tell you, anyone with a passion and a heart for the less privileged. It really doesn't matter your credentials. You can be a highly valued contributor to the mission field. Those who come to serve always state when they leave that they received more than they gave. So let's talk about finances for a minute. You need to be aware that most mission organizations do not pay for your way unless you serve under something like the Peace Corps where they will pay for your airfare and your health insurance, et cetera, Uh, transportation and um, in-house costs. So you need to consider private costs for international airfare, passports, visas, required vaccinations, in-country food, lodging, transportation, washing your clothes, and then, of course, any other extra donation that tugs at your heart while you're there. You should also think about bringing some discretionary funds over because once the mission trip is over, many people will want to do a safari or do some shopping or buy a tanzanite ring, etc. Uh, I would say that typically the basic costs are going to run you about 3000 to 5000 per trip, and that's going to depend on the number of mission weeks that you stay in country. Typically, one to three weeks is what most mission trips do. So who can be called to service? Of course, there's always the medical personnel, your doctors, nurses, technicians, physical therapists, radiologists, etc. are all a valuable contribution to the medical aspect. Um, If you are going in this field, the medical field, you will be required to have a valid and current license. And that needs to be submitted to the African authorities for you to practice any medicine over there. Uh, Especially if you're going to be conducting any clinics or surgeries in uh, government or official, you know, uh, establishments. Um, Very welcome members of the team many times also include other nurses or nursing students as well as medical students. Probably the one of the highest valued people on our team turned out to be my husband, John. And he's an engineer. And why they love John so much is because everything is broken in Africa. It's very hard to get replacement parts because you have donated equipment over there. And the donated equipment may be from Europe and the United States, but you can't get replacement parts there in Africa. And then if you get them in the countries where they were purchased and where they're available, the shipping costs are exorbitant. I can't tell you how many times we found a piece that's $5, $10, $20 just to buy it, but it costs $500 to ship it over there. So typically what happens is that you put a list of things together of what needs to be brought over as far as even medical surgical equipment, light bulbs, replacement parts for ultrasounds, uh, even generators, uh, water filters, etc., and then you carry them with you when uh, you go on the next mission trip.
1: That was good. <clears throat> we have a caller on the line, and I'd be very interested to hear what she
5: has to say to us, and I believe her name is Gail. Welcome, Gail.
2: Hi. Go ahead. We can hear you.
5: Okay, my name is Gail Stroschein, and uh, Pat Westergren was talking about my organization. Um, I am the founder of Hope Ministries. Um, I'm out of Elk Point, South Dakota. First of all, I'd like to thank Pat for listening to God's calling and having come serve with me over in Tanzania. As Pat has said, is um, I have a very love and passion there. I've been going over to Tanzania. I'm getting ready to take a team over on my 21st trip in January. And uh, the reason I'm calling in is I would really, really encourage people to give me a call if they're really interested in going on a trip. If God's been playing it on their heart, I know that this is something that they need to do, and I sure can facilitate it and or help them make that decision whether or not they want to go. So I would highly encourage people to go. I take over nurses, I take doctors, I take anybody from any walks of life. Whoever God sends me, I know He sent them for a purpose. And so what I try to do is I tap into the what their uh, uh, talents are and look at how they can help us over in the field over in Tanzania. And so I encourage everybody to do that. Uh, Pat has given you my website, www.helpministries.co. And in there is, if you go to Trip Packet, you can download a Trip Packet and it tells you everything about my trips and it gives you all of the contact information if you're interested in going. And even students, I take over nursing students because my background is I am a nurse. I was a nursing professor for years. So I work with universities to take students over and many of these students get college credit um, when they go with me. So I just want to encourage everybody you will absolutely love it. You will come back over here and see your world through different glasses. And God will put, it, put something on your heart for the rest of your life. So I highly encourage everybody to uh, seek that out.
2: And, and I just want to say that I've been on mission trips where I felt like I was the person who stood on the side. And Gail, God bless her, puts you to work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reason I went over there. Never in my life did I believe that I could actually go into even the surgical nursing, where she's she's like a mother hen. She makes sure everything is done correctly, and, you know, from every aspect of patient safety and relationships with the other people in the surgical unit, etc. But um, you can be in the bush scrubbing a head. You can be in the surgical unit doing surgical nursing and and rotate nursing, etc. Gail is very good. At taking your heart's desire uh, and placing you in in where you feel you went over there for a real purpose and a real reason, and you came home feeling good that you were able to serve and not just observe.
5: Thanks, Pat. Appreciate that, <laughs> Gail. I
1: just cool. <laughs> want to I want to thank you also because I think so many of us think about that sort of thing but never actually take that that uh, step. And I know that you uh, had made a, a huge promise um, because of your experience. And so many people still, they will make a promise like that, but then somehow or another they just don't know how to take those next steps. So thank you for taking the first step and for allowing everybody else to follow behind you.
5: Yeah, it's it's the Tanzanian people, once you're there, they are the most kind and considerate and so thankful for the littlest things that we do in fact we can work and work and work and still when I get on that airplane to come home after being there a month the tears flow down my face and because I still feel like I haven't done enough because the need is so great
1: thank you gail we need to go to break and thank you so much for calling in yeah Um, thank you for sharing this word to the people thank you um, we're talking today about nurses on a mission and um, if you're just turning in and I have been talking with Patricia Westergren um, we have discussed many apps, aspects of um, doing mission work uh, from how do you connect to people that are have been for long periods of time doing that overall consistent Uh, Connection so that people can come in and and be able to do a mission and be able to feel um, like they've really done something, they've really contributed. And so um, I hope that you'll stay with us for more on this inspiring and fascinating work. Please give us a call in the next segment at 866 472 5792 to share your questions, experience, or thought.
3: Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and
0: Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Leanne Voice America at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: We are indeed back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. I am Leanne Meyer, and I'm here with my guest Patricia Westergren as we
2: delve into the topic of nurses on a mission. Patricia, tell us more. Well, we were talking about who can serve, and we talked about uh, the medical community, and we talked about engineers or anybody who can fix something. Um, I remember even one of the surgeries was delayed because we couldn't get a light bulb on the overhead uh, light um, while we were in Tanzania at Arusha. So we had to wait to try and find that before we could even start the surgery. Um, Who else then? Social services. These people can work closely with in-country counterparts to identify people, most often of course women and children, who are in the most need for care. And This is especially true for hospice clients or tribal people in the bush. Um, AIDS and um, HIV, of course, is one of the major factors for uh, the hospice care. a major challenge with medical care for the group in the bush is availability and payment for transportation. It's uh, it's one thing to be able to go and have a surgery or see a doctor or... Um, you know, just get that first visit, one of the biggest issues then is the follow-up because they don't have the finances or the means. They don't have a car. They can't pay for the bus. They might live a day's trip walking away. They might have caught a ride but can't get one the second day. So follow-up care is really, really important and sometimes social services can help arrange some of that as well. Uh, Educators, teachers, trainers, everything ranging from medical topics such as HIV and AIDS to communicable diseases, menstruation, pregnancy, nutrition, spiritual outreach to basic school subjects like, you know, at Light of Hope, we taught computer skills to the young ladies who were going to go off to college for the first time. Safety, education, human rights, any topic. Um, that is for the benefit of especially the women and children is very beneficial in on these mission trips. And then again, talking about the Mankato State, the CATCH projects, remember, if you're more interested in construction management or skilled workers um, dedicated to building economical and efficient homes, then that's where you would contact Dr. Wasserman um, on the CATCH project. So there are very, very many versed in, maybe, Even if you just have a heart. Um, We had one young lady who came who was a nurse, but she really wanted to focus on photography. And so we could come back and, you know, expand uh, people's knowledge and awareness. But her heart was to rock babies. She sat in the children's home. She didn't want to be in the surgical units. She wanted to be left in the children's homes just taking a child and rocking and rocking and rocking because these children don't always get that touch aspect. And so if you're a grandmother and like to rock, you're welcome. Let's move on a little bit to international requirements. You'll need a valid USA passport, um, and that passport needs to be valid for at least six months before you, you know, it, the expiration. If you're going to leave in January, the passport needs to be valid through at least June. Um, the United States will not let you out of the country because they know that the country's receiving you won't take you in, and you'll be turned around and sent back. Um, You also need to ensure that there are enough empty passport pages, allowing the stamping of your African country visa stamp, because if you don't have enough pages, again, you'll be denied boarding. Uh, We experienced instances where members of our mission trip have been denied that boarding in the USA because of some of those shortcomings. They they do know the African destination and the fact that they will not allow entry without these things being, you know, the requirements being met. Visas, some countries you can just get the visa right there while you you know pay your $50 or $100. Other ones, I'm sorry if you didn't get it before you left, you're not going to be allowed back in. So make sure you know your country. And uh, ahead of time to accomplish that, many times it might be an embassy in Chicago or New York, or you just do it on the website and it's done, you know, in a matter of hours because they've accepted your payment and uh, everything looks good. Typically, you will need to document lodging contact information as well as travel information. So when you're doing your visa, make sure you have all of that information. And many places want two pictures to be sent in, like passport pictures. So uh, do your homework that way. Again, we talked about medical licensure, being able to make sure that you are fully authorized to do the medical surgeries or clinics that um, of the care, medical care that you're giving. There are two existing perceptions that I have found that exist with Africans towards American or European medical help. One is that they feel the USA has more knowledge and more of a practice that is superior to their own African practitioners uh, which is not always the case especially when those doctors who are very well trained know their patients and the types of diseases that are prevalent over there. I'm telling you this is what the, the patients feel. Uh, The other one, though, is a suspicion that we practice exploratory procedures on their people that we would not do in our own population. Uh, One thing they focus on a lot is expiration dates. If it's not good enough for your people, why are you sending it over here for our people? So just remember from a medical standpoint some of the biases um, that exist and make sure your licensure is up to speed. Vaccinations. Different countries and regions have different requirements or even just suggestions, but uh, preventative diseases address such things as yellow fever, typhoid, cholera, malaria, tuberculosis, hepatitis A and B, meningitis, rabies, um, measles, bumps, and rubella. Uh, that These things can be gotten through contaminated food and water, some are airborne, you have mosquito bites, um, animal bites, rabies, etc. Please also be aware that vaccinations for Africa are typically not covered by US health insurance. You know, probably hepatitis A and B would, um, but not your yellow fever or your typhoid. Um, I paid almost $700 on my first trip to Zambia, and it was not covered by medical insurance. Uh, malaria pills themselves are very, very expensive. So just realize that will be an additional cost. Other diseases, which um, I did not find uh, really affect the mission workers at the level that we go, because we are kept in a very sanitized area. We have wonderful lodging. uh, We have food only in the best restaurants, et cetera. I don't mean best, but very healthy restaurants, et cetera. But other things that you may be dealing with are AIDS, HIV, the Ebola Marburg, the avian influenza, uh, Middle Eastern Uh, respiratory syndrome which is the MERS virus so um, I just I I guess now that I've taken enough trips I've never really thought of the dangers of some of these um, diseases because we're kept in a fairly safe environment but I guess that will also depend on the um, organization that you're going with Speaking of all of this, your health insurance um, must be kept up to date and you should find out whether it covers international uh, travel and diseases abroad. Uh, Customs organization. You need to be versed, uh, typically your founder and the organizers of the trip will be versed in documentation to bring in medical equipment and drugs and vitamins. Uh, it is helpful, such as Gail's organization of uh, Hope Ministries, where she's a non-government registered as an NGO or a non-government organization, so she's recognized as a legitimate Uh, organization within Tanzania. What's also helpful is to get letters of introduction, whether it's by their local uh, African hospital administrators, FDA agents, the equivalent Tanzania FDA, or other organizations that you'll be supporting. All of the above items are not a guarantee of passing through customs. Um, one of the things we've, we've been held up at times for even two and three hours, uh, sometimes they're looking for bribes. The organizations that I have been involved with will not pay that. We just have to be courteous and patient and, and outweigh them. So everything's gone through, and it depends on the agent that you get. Well, let's move on to some of the top Uh, medical afflictions. Uh, It's been known, it's been recorded that the top five African killers, according to WHO, is HIV and AIDS, respiratory tract infections such as tuberculosis, and many diarrhea type of disorders, uh, malaria, and stroke. We talked about that high blood pressure a while back. Um, For women, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, poor nutrition, Oh, vertebrae issues I, I don't know a woman over there that doesn't have vertebrae issues uh, back spinal issues and uh... one of the issues over there too that we're combating from education is um, male and female circumcision the male circumcision that's fine it's just not done in a healthy environment all the time and it's a tribal male passage where the the head tribesman may go ahead and do the circumcision with not very sanitary Um, sharp object. And for the females, we are combating that as much as we can through education. It is thought that if the female does not have sexual desire or fulfillment, she will not uh, wander outside of the male or the marriage that she is in. So again, that's a problem area. Uh, Communicable diseases, the unclean water. Of course, on a mission trip, you're always going to be keeping uh, clean water with you at all times. The spine issues for women are because they carry everything on their head. They carry their firewood. They carry their packages, they carry their groceries, and then they carry their children on their back. So vertebrae issues um, are a big issue over there. Uh, HIV and AIDS, the statistics vary on the total number of afflicted persons in Africa. Uh, The good news is that so much focus and international funding has poured into this area that the rate of new incidents is decreasing. Um, Also, the number of afflicted persons receiving drug treatment has greatly increased. It is currently estimated that a person with AIDS will live 20 years less than a non-inflicted person and education remains critical to curbing this epidemic. One other myth that we heard while we were over there is that uh, for a male with HIV that sex with a virgin girl will cure a man with AIDS. Again, education is important. Uh, For children, what we found is cerebral palsy, spinal bifida, uh, and hydrocephalus. And a lot of that is simply because of um, cerebral palsy, of course, is more the, uh, the lack of oxygen during the birthing process. But the spina bifida and the hydrocephalus has a lot to do with just not getting folic acid. As simple as giving prenatal folic acid, vitamin B tablets would prevent a large amount of that.
1: That is absolutely incredible to me because folic acid costs pennies. Anybody who um, buys it in the grocery store, I mean, literally pennies, uh, I think it's like $2 for a, a large bottle. Um, so to have that have so many problems, that's just incredible. I wish that we could go into a lot more and I think we may have to have Patricia back again uh, because there's just so much to say on this topic uh, and a few other things I'd like to ask some questions about. But we are done for today again. And so um, I just want to thank you again, Patricia, for uh, being willing to do this show with us. Uh, Full disclosure, I should say that Patricia was one of my students also in my RN refresher course. And I'm so grateful that she came to the class. Um, This whole program on Nurses on a Mission, I know there are many of our listeners that have experience with some of these things. so we will continue to look at some of these topics. Our next show is going to be um, nurses paying it forward. Nurses are constantly paying it forward at work, at home, at communities, and no one does with nurses. Please email me at leannevoiceamerica.com or through this host page, or better yet, call me call in next week at 866 472 5792 to share your experiences on Monday, December 18th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Until then, make it a great day and don't let anyone take it away.